Welcome to Double Vision, a reality recap podcast with Jules and Keys. Let's get into it. Hi, Keens. Hi, Jules. I'm so happy to be back with you on this cold winter's evening mm. to discuss Real Housewives of Atlanta, Season 5, Episode 5. Yes, no excuse for excuses. Um, we're going to hear a lot of excuses. A lot of <laughs> excuses, right? Um, happy podcast day. Yeah, this is what we're, this is just like the way it is. We've got Kim in the cast, we're going to hear excuses. Right, speaking of Kim, the episode actually opens up with her. Yes, she's taking her daughters out to pizza, mm-hmm. and the kids talk about how they're so much happier living in the townhouse, and oh, they're yeah. so glad they got out of that house. Oh man, it had such bad vibes. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Kim is great at making sure her children are on brand. Oh, yeah. I think we see in later seasons, too, like, particularly her older daughter, Brielle, really kind of does her bidding. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's complicated. But there is a moment where her younger daughter, Ariana, asks if she was a planned pregnancy. Yeah. I also wrote that. (laughs) Yeah. Kim says yes. And Ariana's like, but Brielle wasn't planned because you were only 19. And I thought Kim's response was actually sweet. I was, like, into this side of Kim. She's like, yeah, but it was fine. I was, like, so happy to have a baby. And, like, you just went everywhere with me. And, like, it was great. Like, she definitely – I could see her going the other way and be like, yeah, it was so terrible being pregnant at 19. But, like, she was just like, it was great. I Like, I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that it – I will say I wrote down the exact same thing because I also felt that it's nice to see the side of Kim that reminds you that even though she's insane, that she does love her kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And – I don't know. I also thought that there was like a purity to her daughter suggesting that she like take birth control. Oh yeah. They were like, you know, there was birth control, right? Cause she's pregnant again. She says, I'm going to wait a while until the next one. They're like, that's what you said with this one. Right. Within a year. Right. Yeah. The, she's been pregnant twice and cause her kids are only going to be a year, less than a year apart. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Really close to that. Yeah. So, you know, I think that in the future she has four kids in total with Croy. Yeah, because after this she has twins, I think. Man. It's a fertile woman. Fertile woman. <laughs> yes. Um, then we go to Phaedra and Apollo who are having a double date with Kenya and Walter. Yes. This date is so weird. It was so <laughs> weird, Jules. Like I remembered this interaction from years past, but to see it again, I'm like, girl, Kenya was oh man. It's wilder than I remembered. It was I even sitting here now like so many years have passed so much has happened right but I'm like how did Phaedra not immediately pop her in the mouth like I don't know I think she was so taken off guard okay well let's set the scene yes yes they're at a in a weird concrete lot at a Mm -hmm. tiny round picnic table in the middle of the lot (laughs) it looks cold and gray I don't know why they've chosen this venue right um, Phaedra and Apollo come up and Kenya and Walter are there and you know Phaedra's being friendly and personable as always Kenya sees Apollo who is handsome yes 
and immediately starts complimenting his looks and his body and just like, oh my God, you're like a model. Wow, you look so strong. Yeah, you're like Tyson Beckford. Oh, I can see your body, like the veins, like you're lean. Like, okay, so what does she say in confessional? Oh, so in the confessional, she says, oh, I mean, Apollo, he's kind of fine. <laughs> fine. Fine. And I'm like, Kenya, you don't say that about somebody else's husband, especially with your quote unquote hopeful future husband, baby daddy sitting right there. It just shows she's acting as if they're all 12 year olds who met up at the mall and she saw someone else's boyfriend was like, oh, he's fine. It's just like you have no boundaries. You have no respect for like an adult relationship or like. how people should be treating each other Mm -hmm. so Phaedra's been super nice to Kenya like she's been nothing but nice and trying to get her included in things yeah and it was weird I think on top of that because we see Kenya leaning in flirting obviously and then Apollo responding like oh yeah like I hear you have a production company like trying to keep it very professional yeah i couldn't tell if apollo just wasn't picking up on the signals but he's giving her nothing back he's like giving no he's not being rude but he's just like giving no indication that he's like wants to be flirting with her meanwhile she's just like oh yeah we're going back and forth i could tell he want to see if i'm for real and i want to see if he's for real and we're just like tit for tat oh yeah we're like vetting each other right okay like she thinks this is a meet cute it's so weird like i'm just like girl what is like what's going on in your brain that you don't realize what's going on um phaedra mentions like in the confessional she says you know you need to like pump your brakes because you over here breaking cardinal rules but i know that kenya likes to be the center of attention so it's fine i don't yeah and can't Phaedra's being pretty chill in the moment and not really reacting. Mm -hmm. And I do kind of think when faced with conflict, Phaedra prefers to just like not really engage. Like she's not an angry person. Yeah. She just wants to keep things like very smooth. Yeah. And also, I mean, again, you know, I always feel like Phaedra shines every time she's on our screen, but I really appreciated that while Kenya is pretty explicitly flirting with Phaedra's husband, that Phaedra comes off as just like very kind, like engaging with Walter. Oh, how do we yeah. know each other? And then um, as the um, segment continues, we see uh, Phaedra and Kenya get into their like go-karts or whatever. Right, because in another is. weird twist, they're going go-karting together. So crazy. Which I don't know why I thought they were going to like play basketball or something. I was like, what is, what? This is... They've gone to a weird go-kart track for their date. And that's yeah. why they were sitting out in like a parking lot on a picnic table. Oh, God. I mean... Either way, my favorite thing that Phaedra said about this is they have to buckle in and she says, oh, um, is, is it not going to fit? You have large breasts. Well, I'm built like a 12 year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, as a generally flat chested woman, I was like, thank you, Phaedra, for yes. holding it down for the itty bitty titty committee. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, Phaedra's figure is so perfect to me. She's like, I love her cute little body. But yeah. um. Kenya also was like, I never wear seatbelt. I am a daredevil. I live dangerously. And then they come and make her put her seatbelt on. Then when she's driving, she's like squealing and giggling and like trying to ram into Apollo. It is, it's like a, she really has reverted. Yeah. And Walter, they keep cutting to Walter, is just like, I'm too old for this. Like, this is, <laughs> I don't like how fast this goes. 
Oh, man. I can't remember if they actually played like that sort of hokey pokey music in the background or if I just imagined it. But I don't know the juxtaposition. You know, I love good editing. And so whenever you see Kenya just being a child and like there's parts where she's like pouting and like, I want to keep going, but I'm out of gas. Yeah. And then you see like the other people the adults <laughs> just like leisurely driving and like looking Ooh, this is nice like okay this is this is a bizarre date it was I don't know who brought this up I don't know that I'd seen this before have we seen this since like a go-kart double date yeah I don't know I bet they would do it on OC or something yeah or maybe even Salt Lake City maybe mm. with the ladies though not with like a romantic partner oh it's yeah so, odd. so are we I mean does does this suggest that when Kenya sees a handsome man, she just completely loses her mind? Because she, I feel like this is maybe how she's ended up with like in so many bad relationships. Mm. Like she truly became a girl. It was wild. Yeah, it was. I mean, the level of like giddy, I feel, I mean, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I feel like there are it felt kind of textbook, right? Where like there's that like giddy feeling of like when you're like in high school or middle school and you like like a boy or you think boy's cute and you just start like turning into this like mush-brained version <laughs> of like a human. But I've not ever thought of that applying to like a woman in her like what is she like in her late 30s? In real life. Yeah. It's another almost like she's she's playing out like a weird rom-com scenario. Yeah, you're right. Maybe this is another example of Kenya acting for the cameras. But what a weird thing to choose to act out. I guess you could say that about all the things she chooses to do. It's like, but why would you want to pretend that? I don't know. Ugh, absolutely bonkers. Completely bonkers. Um. Anyways, next we get Cynthia. Yes. And getting negged by her stupid husband, Peter. Oh, gosh. He's like, this is a $200 bottle of wine. I got it four years ago. And she's like, why haven't we had drink it yet? And he's like, because nothing special enough has happened. I guess we'll just drink it now. Right. I was like, didn't y'all get married? So your life, you're, you're living day, daily with Cynthia Bailey. Yeah. Nothing special has happened to you, Peter. Like, you lucky. Oh, God. <laughs> so then they open it and it's like gone off. So they have to pour it down the sink. Yeah. It's just like. Peter, you fool. Oh. This is a great metaphor for what he's doing with his relationship with Cynthia. <laughs> Pouring it down the drain. <laughs> so then Nini and Greg come over. Yeah. And Greg is so cute. I know. Uh, everyone's getting along. And um, Nini and Greg are saying that, like, now that they got divorced, they have nothing else to argue about. So they're getting along great. Mm -hmm. Peter says, maybe he and Cynthia should divorce. And then they'll be happy. <laughs> right. And then cut to Cynthia saying, yeah, you know, we're. I think that Peter and I are in a really good place right now. And I'm like, this is Ugh. laughably terrible. Like, no, this man. They're just not on the same page. And I, honestly, I remember when they first introduce them as a couple I was like they don't seem to make sense to me but I also as with I think most people who watch reality tv you can either be disgustingly invested in somebody else's relationship <laughs> <laughs> or you can go my route which is well maybe there are things that I just don't know about how they interact when the cameras aren't there right like but it's hard when you see a couple like Nini and Greg who 
love each other so deeply and seem to like also be friends where you just don't get that vibe from Cynthia and Peter. Yeah, like if I saw Peter on a looks basis, I'd be like, well, obviously Cynthia is like so much, is like just this beautiful woman and like you wouldn't expect him to be with her. But then you would ex- you would think like if he had a personality like Greg, I'd be like, oh, I totally get it though. Look, he's so sweet and he loves her and he's funny. But like, no, none of that either. I he's love- like rude and mad all the time. And I think, I mean, I feel like I, if I haven't said it before, I'm going to say it now and I'll keep saying it. I think Peter Thomas is, is handsome. He's okay. I think he's handsome. Okay. Um, Do I think that he makes sense aesthetically with Cynthia Bailey? Mm. Maybe not, but also, like, I don't know. What's that thing that they say about, like, attraction? Like, if you start at, like, a four or five, like, the way that you interact with somebody can make them, like, an eight or a nine? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's, he's like, not a dog. So no. if he had a great personality, you'd be like, oh, I'd get this. Apollo, super foin, <laughs> and... <laughs> Not a, really that great of a personality. No. But you like kind of get it there. It's like, okay, well, the looks really bring you in with this guy. But I like, see. Peter, Peter doesn't have, Peter, you're not like, whoa, this guy's hot. He's just sort of like, you know. Yeah, I think he's handsome. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's okay. I mean, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to respond other than to be like, yeah, you're, you're probably, you're right, actually. Yeah. I, no, but, stuff. yeah not to be judging my looks i think it's the personality where he is no for sure i think it's also wild because it's hard not to get into like a conversation about looks and aesthetic value because we're talking about cynthia bailey's mm-hmm. husband and cynthia bailey is objectively gorgeous like she's so beautiful yeah there's no two ways about it none and so it's sort of like the expectation is that you're going to be with somebody that either treats you like the queen that you are and or is so beautiful that you're like, I see these people together and I want them to be so in love and maybe they're just shy on the camera. Right. But neither of those things are what we get from Peter. Yeah. Right. And aside from that, Cynthia also has a great personality. She's like a very sweet person. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, what, what, what is this? Right. I don't know. The, other thing that happens during this which I thought was interesting is that Peter talks about surprising Cynthia with a vow renewal in Anguilla yeah they want to go I think it's Anguilla Uh, Anguilla. I was going to say Antigua so you're probably right I think it's Anguilla 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 I don't (laughs) as podcast yeah we might need to actually look into that but (laughs) I mean and they said it a bunch of times and I wrote it down but I couldn't tell you what it says but either way um, I bring it up sort of as part of like a continuation of this conversation about them as a couple because Nini makes it very clear like Cynthia doesn't like surprises like you should know if your wife like would be receptive to something like that like oh I'm just trying to surprise you with like a vow renewal barefoot on the beach but her best friend is saying I'm afraid that she's just gonna die because she hates she's not she doesn't like surprises like, yeah well and part of the reason that they want he wants to do a vow removal so they're talking about going to anguilla mm-hmm. he knows someone there it's supposed to be really gorgeous so they're talking about getting everybody there for a couple's trip maybe everyone in the cast will like bring their partner it'll be well, they're saying it's a girl's trip but mm-hmm. it, it's everyone in the cast <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get more into this later but so Peter's thinking while they're there, he could do a surprise value, value renewal because he feels like their marriage got off to the wrong foot. Mm. And 
that is because at the wedding, yep. Cynthia's mom and sister tried to hide the marriage certificate so that the wedding would not be legal because <laughs> they were that concerned about Cynthia marrying Peter. Right. And all of this was on camera. Yes. And definitely did not end up on the cutting room floor. And so it was <laughs> produced and distributed for the entire world to do with what they wanted. Yeah. Which was judge this entire situation heavily. Yeah. So he feels like that's why everything's gotten off. Of course, it's not his fault at all. No. But then he, so this will be like a way of getting on the right foot, which at least is like, okay, you're like thinking about doing something nice for her. Mm-hmm. That, that seems good. So we'll see where where that plan goes. Right. Um, Oh, and then they talk about how they're going to invite all the ladies. (laughs) Greg says, it's like what the monkey said when the train ran over his tail. They're like, what? He goes, won't be long now. I didn't even write that down because dad jokes go in one ear and out the other for me. I loved it. But it, that is actually like really cute. Yeah. I, I remember them all laughing. Yeah. Um, should we take a break? Yes, let's do it. Okay, we'll be back with Portia and Cordell. <laughs> we're back so Portia and Cordell go to the doctor and we learn that Portia had a miscarriage six months ago Mm -hmm. because of fibroids and she's trying to find out if she can be fertile again because she really wants to have two sets of twins Mm -hmm. so she can only have two pregnancies yes she (laughs) is very explicit multiple times that she wants four children and she talks about I guess her own like sort of sibling relationship yeah she said she has her sister Lauren and two brothers and I was like what we've yeah. never seen the brothers where are they I don't know I I don't know I was also very confused but she I mean I just I think that there is something that is so refreshing about a woman who sort of like knows what it is like I want to have kids but also like this body I yeah. like I need to be smart because she, at this point, right, she's in her 20s, and I don't think that she has really established the Portia Williams that we know now. But at this stage, she's very, like, focused on I'm going to be, like, a mother and a housewife, but I also want to, like, keep my shape because I'm not trying to give up all that for these little babies. I know. I love that she thinks that by having twins, that'll be an easier way to keep her shape. <laughs> right. I just don't know if there's any workaround, honestly. <laughs> and they, what I exactly like, you're not even thinking about it. like, oh yeah, I'll just do it like two times, so I don't have to worry about it. like not taking into consideration you're you're literally carrying multiples, right? There's yeah, mul- like it's it's bigger, right, in the grand scheme of things. And I sometimes wonder if um, housewives like create like sort of bits and storylines, but the way that she asked the doctor multiple times about having twins I'm like I think that this is a legitimate thing that Portia's really curious about like how do I increase my chances of having twins and then the OBGYN's like uh let's work on you know getting you pregnant with like one baby first let's you know also like let's not 
forget that there are risks with like multiple gestation. She's like bringing up all of these very real scientific concerns. And then Portia's like, oh yeah, I guess I'll slow my roll then. Yeah. <laughs> She's so pure and like lovely. Like, yeah, I love totally. It. It's like a breath of fresh air for real. Absolutely. Um, so next we have Candy and Cynthia meeting for lunch. We're really getting like quite the mix of yeah. all the ladies hanging out. Well, they're all friends, Jules. It's not just mm-hmm. for TV. Yeah. We just don't <laughs> often see them all together. So Cynthia invites Candy and Todd to Anguilla. Um, Candy says Todd might be working, but really she's trying to protect him in case he doesn't want to go because he thinks all her friends are too much drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a good partner right there. Like yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna create the circumstances so you have an out and so that you don't seem like you were being shady. Candy is so that cool girl who's yeah. like never gonna be like pressuring her man into doing anything. She's just so chill. Mm, if only. I know. What's that like? Right? (laughs) I couldn't tell you. Right? (laughs) Um, So they kind of discuss inviting Kim. Mm -hmm. Cynthia's like, maybe we could invite Kim. And Candy notes that Kim already gave them all the dates she could travel on. So we're breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah. You know, the the original thing for the trip was Cynthia was like, we had so much fun in Africa last year. We thought we'd do it again this year. And it's mm-hmm. like Housewives fans know they always go on trips. The trips are a big deal. Mm-hmm. Production has to plan the trips. They have to get the locations. And, like, you know, it's all – like, there, there's no easy way to, to, like, go film a reality show in a different location for a couple weeks. Yeah. So while the ladies always say they're planning it, I mean, they, maybe they partly are. Maybe they're making some choices. But for the most part, it's like production is – doing a lot of this sorry everybody oh i'm so gosh. sorry like my heart is breaking oh. how dare you <laughs> so long story short kim has given the dates that she can travel yep. so they're planning it all around the dates she can travel even though they haven't officially invited her yet mm-hmm. on camera right they've all probably been invited yeah i got the sense that they had had at least a few conversations about all getting together, going on a girl's trip together and then coordinating dates that would work for the most people. And it seems like from the tone of the conversation between Candy and Cynthia, that they felt that Kim and her ability to travel would be the linchpin because she's pregnant. And because they're like, we know that those dates are, much more set in stone than maybe some of the other professional obligations that we have. So we're going to really coordinate it around Kim's availability. That's the tone. That's the theme. Yes. Of this entire situation. Yes. Um, so Candy also says she's worried about traveling with Nini because she and Nini just don't really get along. Mm-hmm. And she says Nini always has a motive behind whatever she's doing. Yeah. Which is like, why are you saying this to Cynthia? Right. And I was, I thought it was so funny because Cynthia's like, yeah, Nini's always saying like, I don't know why Candy has a problem with me. And I'm like, this is inadvertently making it sound like Nini's being manipulative because she's like, I don't have a problem with Candy. I don't know why Candy has a problem with me, but I'm so nice. I'm so wonderful. Why does Candy have a problem? <laughs> I love that Cynthia's like, see, see, Nini doesn't have a problem with you. Right? She, it was like, oh, okay, well. Do you remember like where their beef began? I mean, I know we've seen them argue on and off. I honestly can't remember. 
Um, I feel like there was a situation and it's, it's funny because there's so many years of housewives like lore to draw from, but I think that part of it had to do with Candy coming in the way that Candy is, which she's very rich, but she's also incredibly humble and always like doing things for the community, either, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, like you get the sense that she definitely cares deeply about like Atlanta. And there was, I think this like weird presumption that she, like if we're, cause Nini's always talking about how rich she is. or like, well, Candy's richer than you. Like it was, I think that oh, there was yeah. like an external comparison. Um, and then of course there was that whole situation of Candy producing Kim's song. Don't be tardy for the party. Right. Which Technically, Nini had selected as like the song that Kim should do, and there and they was... were doing it together. And then Kim wanted to ice Nini out of "Don't Be Tardy for the Party," right? <laughs> and Kim was successful at that and utilized Candy's skills as like a record producer, Grammy award-winning artist. But it's like a bad song. I feel like it just like made some money because people are like, this is a weird novelty where this like crazy lady is singing Don't Be Tardy for the Party. I mean, I heard the original Don't Be Tardy for the Party. and I was like, that song is terrible. But I will say that Kim's version was kind of catchy. was better than the original. It was better than the original. Yeah. Which we credit Candy for. Right. You don't win a Grammy for nothing. Well, shout out to Nicki Minaj you deserve all the accolades yes absolutely okay Okay, so there's just kind of long-standing things and it maybe just you know Nini likes to be the alpha and Candy while she doesn't come for that position she is kind of a natural alpha yeah I think that that's a great way to put it and I mean hijinks ensue every time exactly Okay, so now we get to Portia again, and she's having Nini and Cynthia over. Yeah, Cynthia is really making the rounds. I know. I was <laughs> like, is this Cynthia's episode? <laughs> this might be Cynthia's episode, right? Because um, she is very a central feature for every, like almost every single conversation. Um, so yes, Portia uh, meets with Nini and Cynthia, and you get the sense that this is their first time actually like meeting in person. Well, it really seemed like they were meeting for the first yeah, time. Yeah. Even um, though they knew each other. Yeah. Or, they kind of knew of each other. Cause right. um, Portia, you know, works for the Hosea Williams foundation and Nini has volunteered. Nini has her own um, foundation or charity or nonprofit. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, domestic victims of domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah. And Cynthia also is involved in the thing. Yeah. So she was doing, I think like some sort of women's empowerment, uh, situation I don't remember all the all of the specifics I just know that eventually she ended up creating like the Bailey agency which is technically a model like school mm-hmm. um in order to like help women that sort of look like her sort of utilize her skill set and also like her professional like name recognition but I I my memory was that it started off with wanting to like empower young girls to like understand like that they're beautiful and that they can do anything and that they can be like the next leaders and all this other stuff yeah so so Portia kind of wants to talk to them about Hosea Williams and um she says you know we don't just feed people on Thanksgiving. We feed the hungry 265 days a year. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, I feel 
like that's obviously like she just like wasn't thinking it through. I honest, I have never accidentally said 265 and I meant 365, but maybe she was thinking about a bunch of different things. So as she says this, there's like that lovely editor's pause, right? Yeah, the like, silence of, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> and then cut to Nini physically cackling in the confessional and she looked straight at the camera and said, that was funny. That was funny. 265 days. Bitch, where do you live at? And I was like, oh, my God. This is top tier. Like, Nene is just such a star. Her one-liners are so good. Yeah. Oh, man. It was so funny. But it was, like, kind of cute at the moment, too, because she didn't, like, call Portia out or tease her. So, it was, you know, she just, like, kept it to herself. Right? Smiled politely and yeah. said, okay. So she at Portia asked them if they will do a PSA for the Hosea Williams Foundation, mm-hmm. and they say yes. And then they start talking about a charity dinner. She's like, "Actually, we had a charity dinner recently, and Kenya Moore came. Have you met her?" <laughs> Princess Cynthia talks about how she acted at the at the um, Jet Model mm-hmm. casting. And then Portia talks about how she acted at the charity dinner. Mm-hmm. Cynthia says, that's obviously validation that I'm not crazy and Kenya is. Exactly. <laughs> right. I loved, I will say, and this is, I think that this is maybe one of the first times that somebody, i.e. Portia, but this is the first time we see somebody tell a story that is like pretty accurate to what actually happened. Like True. she didn't have to put much on any of it. Right. She told the story almost exactly as it happened where it was clear that Kenya was so perturbed by her getting her title wrong that after that like nothing like there was nothing that Portia could have done that would have made up for that in in Kenya's mind and she started acting a whole fool at a charity event and I was like oh my gosh so it is possible to just she wasn't even necessarily trying to paint Kenya in a bad light that's how that's actually how Kenya was acting yeah um, I love that Cynthia was like, she's so mad at us that we can't remember who Miss USA was 20 years ago. Right. It was <laughs> right. There was definitely a little bit of shade in that. Right. I don't know. The, but to me, I love the fact that Nini brings up at the very end. She's like, you know what? I am an excellent judge of character. And Portia, you are giving me good vibes, but I, I never get that from Kenya. Like I, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm willing to give her a shot, but I don't know something about that. Right. And I'm like, "Mm." I mean, I, yeah. Looking at Kenya's like the way she's on this season, I just don't feel like there's a good vibe to be found. That's not her thing. No, but she's never been about like good vibes. Like she's clearly, I mean, you see every time that she's on camera, there's like this part of her that's like trying to put forward this like weird image of like being sweet yeah, she does like a kind of laugh, like hee hee hee, like when she's right. talking sometimes you're like, but you're saying mean things. Exactly. <laughs> and it's bizarre. Um, and then on top of that, like she I would call her like if it existed really in Atlanta, but like a bit of a social climber. Like every time she talks about like what she's done or where she's been, it's always in reference to like other people that are very successful. And then she always counts herself amongst like the quote upper echelon in Atlanta society. And I'm like, you're not from Atlanta. You're barely part of Atlanta. Like, which not to, you know, denigrate anything that she's doing and like her business acumen and all that other stuff, but it's sort of like, okay, Kenya, we, we don't know exactly 
who you are other than somebody who's always looking for ways to like leapfrog over people whereas Portia's entire vibe is that she is very content with her life she is very happy she comes from like she comes from money right and she also comes from a family that has a reputation for like social activism so it's like she's she is actually like the upper echelon of Atlanta society without even trying that would matter to anybody for status exactly and she's married to Cordell Williams right Cordell Stewart oh Wait, Portia's oh. last name is Williams. Oh, That's okay, her maiden okay. name. So she's Portia Williams Stewart. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I was. I'm lucky that I got a football player's first name right. Okay, <laughs> I know two football players, and they're Cordell and Croy. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I also know like Joe Montana and Jerry Rice because they were 49ers, and Travis Kelsey. So, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has his brother, but I don't know his brother's name. And um, Dan Marino, who's in okay, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. We gotta move on. <laughs> I like love that you're like that's just like reminiscent of somebody saying, "Oh, I know lots of basketball players." I was like, "Okay, like who?" They're like, "Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar." Yeah, but I would never say I know lots. I know that's not very many. <laughs> but it's also nobody really recent. And Travis Kelsey doesn't count because of this whole Taylor Swift debacle. That's, that's why I know of him. That's why I'm like, stop it. He's actually like a very well-known. I'm not, and you know, I'm not a huge football person. I'm a bigger football person than you are, I guess, technically. But girl, he, he <laughs> was definitely like, are. He was very famous and like very well-known before Taylor Swift. Like okay. very, very well-known. Okay. Right. I believe you. It's fine. It's fine. Don't. I feel like this is a setup for me to like stand on feeling anything for football other than I don't even watch it anymore. Don't ever feel frustrated with me and my sports knowledge. I'm not actually frustrated. Let me make sure that's clear. It's more so I'm like, oh gosh, I haven't even thought about this like tiny part of my brain that has sports knowledge in so long. I'm like, craps. But you've still got it. Eh, technically just you know don't don't have an actual like football connoisseur in the room because then i'll i'll seem foolish (laughs) (laughs) well to me you seem like a football genius oh thank you all right well so uh next we go to candy and phaedra at a little shopping event and i have to say i love their friendship i feel like candy is pretty much the only housewife in atlanta that can get phaedra to even admit that she has sex much less be like playful and like excited about things totally candy gives her kinkle balls to try yes and phaedra immediately when uh, candy mentions oh i have a gift for you she's like is it the is it the penis ring is it the penis ring? Did I could did you want did you want to give me the penis ring? And I'm like, girl, okay, you clearly want the penis ring. Although you can buy them without candy giving you one, right? If you want that. Oh man, did you catch that as they were walking into the store, she was like wearing, I guess, clothes. I didn't know that candy had, I guess, like maybe a boutique or something. Right. Of course, this is another business candy has a boutique called Tagged. Oh. And yeah, can't um Phaedra says like I'm wearing things from Tagged. I've been wearing Tagged all week. And it's really cute. 
I just another like thriving business. Yeah. Candy owns. She is. Oh man. She is. I mean, the way that she's a multimillionaire from the beginning of her, like when she's introduced, she's like the richest Mm -hmm. and you see why she has so many business endeavors and yeah, it's great. Um, so yes, uh, they are talking. She gets the Kegel balls. We find out that apparently Candy is using her Kegel balls at that time. And then Phaedra does this like really cute thing like, ooh, well, I'm not going to check, but okay. And I'm like, you're so fun loving when you're yeah. like this instead of trying to always be so like prim and proper and like a Southern belle. It, it was just, it was refreshing for me. Yeah, totally. Um, so they talk about going to Anguilla and Phaedra really candy wants to invite Kenya. She's like, we should really invite Kenya. Yeah. Which is like candy and Kenya. Have they even talked? Have we seen them interact? I know they probably like chatted at the successful independent women event. So wasn't it that Kenya was there? Wasn't it? I'm like trying to remember because you're right. It's like, when did they really interact? But I thought that Kenya was there talking about the event at Cynthia's with Candy and Phaedra. And that was when she was super animated. Right. Okay. They all sat down for lunch. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yes. And, and so, they talked about her booty. <laughs> exactly. And so Candy is like insistent. Like, well, I think Kenya's a really good time. Like, she's mm-hmm. fun. I think that she should come. And Phaedra's like, well, you know, she has like, you know, there's issues with Cynthia. And I think that this is sort of the nod to the idea that, quote, like, quote unquote, idea that Cynthia is planning the trip and it's Cynthia's trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly we know that, like, according to you, breaking the fourth wall, that <laughs> uh, production plans a trip. But it's sort of like an, it alludes to the fact that it's Cynthia's trip. Maybe that shouldn't be there. And she, um, <laughs> Phaedra has this cute beat where she's like, yeah, you know, I, I talked to Cynthia and I said, you know, what would Jesus do? <laughs> and she's like, but yeah, she's not interested in new friends. She's only interested in establishing new models, honey. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like Cynthia wasn't having it, but it sounds like Candy's not going to give up. OK, so now I understand more why Candy is like saying this, because, you know, housewives is a game of shifting alliances mm. and they're forming their teams. Yep. Portia very wisely has formed a team now with Nini and Cynthia. Mm-hmm. And Kenya is going to be focused more on Candy and maybe Phaedra. Although right. we don't know how that's right. going to go. Um, but it's sort of like, I think Candy doesn't want to end up there without Kenya because right. she needs more people who are like sort of on her team with against Nini. Exactly. I think that you're exactly right. Um, because, you know, Cynthia's loyalty can't be swayed against Nini. And we know that Nini and Candy have this like weird tension. And weirdly, Candy is still considered like Kim's friend in the cast, which is like, I never really got them as friends, but she is the one who seems to like interact with Kim the most. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a part, a huge part of it is that Candy. So number one, Kim has always, I know that she's not your favorite person, but she tends to just, <laughs> no. right. She tends to sort of say it like it is. And she was, I remember her being the very first one to like bring up just how rich Candy is. Like she's like, and Candy never says anything. She's richer than everybody here. Like she, I mean, 
And it's sort of, I think that there's like this recognition from Kim that Candy is like that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, like I know that with the whole Tardy for the Party situation, that Candy was really hurt by how things went down with, you know, there was a bunch of drama as far as I remember. But Candy said, I'm just going to set this aside because we are friends and I want us to continue with our friendship. And I think Kim was so receptive to that that she probably poured into being a better friend to her than Mm. maybe anybody else that's on the cast right now. Like, I think the only other person that we hear a lot about as far as Kim continuing a friendship with is Sheree Whitfield. Right. And Sheree's just messy boots. Like, she can't. And she's not here this season, so. Thank God. Oh, okay. Listen, if we ever do... Don't don't get me started. Your oh, oh. your feelings about Kim are my feelings about <gasps> Sheree. Whitfield. Oh wow! Okay, don't well, even get I started. hope we eventually do do a yeah. Sheree season. Yeah, so we can talk about she by Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Kim, we're gonna cut to her and Sweetie trying to unpack the townhouse, mm. and Sweetie steps in dog poop like in the kitchen. Mm. And Kim says, if you track dog shit over my house, like, as a threat, it's like, Kim, why are you, why is your dog pooping inside? Take your dog for a walk. Like, what? Like, oh, this is Sweetie's fault because she stepped in the poop? Like, what are you doing? Walk your dog. I was actually, like, seriously triggered by that. Like, you don't get to have animals if you're not going to take care of them, Kim. Come on. Yeah. I couldn't care less. What? (laughs) I just wrote, Kim, dog shit. And that was it. (laughs) no other reference to this entire segment because i was like i don't care oh well i was unfuriated on on behalf of dogs everywhere so and as you should be because dogs don't generally poop in the house unless they haven't been taken out or they're not getting appropriate exercise or they're sick and we don't get the sense that any of those things are true except that they are not being taken out and well taken care of because dogs should be outside and playing. So yeah. You're right. I okay, just. thank you. Yes, you're completely right. I just didn't care enough to even. Because, I mean, it involves Sweetie and then, like, talking about dog poop. Like, I don't care. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know so I mean? that's like, what happened. Meh. Okay, should we take a break? Yes. Everyone is gathering for our planning brunch to talk about the trip. Yes. And so um, Cynthia has called this meeting with everybody and Phaedra arrives first. Yeah. Phaedra seems to get there a little early and she brings a huge bouquet of flowers. Right. And she apologizes because she discovers that she did, in fact, say sort of semi-terrible things about Cynthia and she wants to make sure that it's clear to Cynthia that it had nothing to do with her not being wanted at the event but that she was sort of like frustrated with the planning and that she you know said these things without meaning to yeah she meant like I you know that's fine with me I know that that he this two-year-old does not really care so but I shouldn't have said it that way Mm mm-hmm and Cynthia reasonably is like, okay, I've also said things in the privacy of my own home, so she just doesn't have a recording of them. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh, Cynthia is such a great, like, 
Oh, she's yeah. such a, I feel like she's a really good cast member, honestly. Absolutely. And so she deletes the message in right? front of Phaedra and they squash the beef. And it's uh, really cute. It was so cute. I loved it. So next, they all sit down together. And Phaedra looks at Kenya, who's wearing kind of a revealing top. And she says, girl, you got some cantaloupes up there. God said A cups for me. <laughs> I love the idea of God being invested in everyone's cup size. Oh, and my like, gosh. You get A cups, you get cantaloupes. That's just how it's going to be. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> um. Kim arrives looking really pregnant and Nini notes that like she probably has a pillow in there to be more traumatic. Right. And I'm like, oh gosh, Nini, you sound like such a hater. But it was, I mean, it was funny though. Cause she, yeah. it, I mean, to, to Nini's point, um, Kim is very dramatic at all times. And I, I do think that she sort of br- blames her pregnancy for things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Kenya says, like, is this a couple's trip? Just making sure I'm invited. Am I invited, Cynthia? (laughs) Cynthia says nothing. (laughs) Kenya says, I'll just invite myself. Right. And it was sort of like the eye roll of the century. But then I think Cynthia played it off well in the confessional. She's like, listen, if she wants to buy, if she wants to get herself a ticket and a man and a flight out there. I mean, I won't be at the custom. I won't be a customs agent to like turn her away, but I am not inviting her. Like she, yeah. I'm not going to extend an invitation. And I Which was like, I loved. it's like, and Cynthia, we know that production has hired her to go. <laughs> like she has, she's contractually obligated to go on this trip. This is thing housewives do all the time where they like try not to invite people who are cast members. And so yeah. those cast members have to like be like stowaways in order to get to the trip. <laughs> You but are, they have to go. You are so <laughs> invested in this. Like, I'm fascinated by it ruining all. the allure oh. of how these women were able to plan a trip to Anguilla together. That's happening like in a week. Right. And they're just doing their planning brunch now. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, when you put it like that, I sound <laughs> foolish, actually. So never mind. I take it all back. <laughs> It's once, okay. I feel like once you factor in the production, it's just another layer of drama. Yeah, for sure. So Kim comes in with a million excuses about why she can't travel. Her blood pressure is high. She's still breastfeeding. Questionable. Her due date has been moved up 10 days. Hmm. I truly don't think that's a thing. Yeah. I don't think there's many doctors who would be like, you're actually going to have this baby 10 days before the due date we set for you. Yeah. That seems because it's like you err on the side of like you want the baby to be in there for longer. Mm -hmm. And then if you go past your due date, then they'll like start talking about different options. But they're never like trying to get the baby out before early. That's not a thing. Um, she says she's actually eight months pregnant, but then she has eight weeks left of the pregnancy. It's like, well, that would be a 10 month pregnancy. So what? Like pregnancies are actually nine and a half months. So it's just like nothing makes sense. Mm. She doesn't look eight months pregnant to me. She looks like six months pregnant. Yeah. I also wrote down that she'd mentioned being 28 weeks and then she was 32 weeks. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't know a lot about pregnancy. So I actually wrote down Jules question mark like, <laughs> I don't understand just the things that she's saying don't sound to me like things that I've heard about real life 
pregnancies. Right. And Obviously high blood pressure, but it's like if you have high blood pressure, you'd probably be on bed rest though. Mm. Like if they're it's like that's the kind of thing where it's if it's that much of a concern, it's not just like you can't travel, but it's like you need to be laying down all the time. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about these women and they're just like constant movement of pregnancy. <laughs> I know right? it's all over the place we had it with Phaedra we're having it with Kim there's like potentials for all of the women to have some level of engagement in this weird conversation piece but I I will say that one of the things that I noted was that at the beginning of the brunch, seemingly, right, there's a lot of, like, cut and splicing for this entire interaction. But at the beginning of the brunch, everybody is, like, toasting to Anguilla, and they're, like, super excited. And they keep turning, like, Kim, you're going to come, right? Kim, you're going to make it there. Croy will make it, too, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I would love to come. Of course I'm going to come. Like, that's my goal. Like, I want to be there. And then all of a sudden, after all these excuses about being eight months pregnant, 28 weeks pregnant, 32 weeks pregnant, she says, I can't go. I, I can't. I just can't go because I can't travel. I can't leave the country. I can't leave the country. And Cynthia is like, I wasn't told you couldn't leave the country. Again, because production by production, I'm sure. Right. She's like, well, you shouldn't have picked something where I'd have to fly, blah, blah, blah. So then Candy, in her mm-hmm. wisdom, says... So you and because Candy's getting a little mad. Yeah. Candy says, so you and Croy aren't doing a trip before you have the baby. Kim's like, oh, no, we're going to go like for a trip three uh, like next week. Next week is when the Anguilla trip is happening. (laughs) Candy sees red because they've all moved things around to be available for this one week that Kim can do it. They've all canceled things. They all like start listing off the things that they've had to reschedule Mm -hmm. and cancel. And Phaedra says, I think what people want to know is whether you're committed to our wonderful friendship. (laughs) Since you got married, it seems like you don't have time for your girlfriends anymore. Makes it sound so nice. Right. I honestly, (laughs) hearing it right now, I don't know if you're actually Suzanne Sugarbaker or not, but I am here for it regardless. I would love to be Suzanne Sugarbaker. Who wouldn't want to be Suzanne Sugarbaker? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I'm sorry, but go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so Kim says, you know what? I really don't. Yeah. She's such a brat. She she just has too much going on. They're like, okay, we all have things going on. Yeah. And it was like there then a lot of the ladies expressed sort of confusion. Like if you feel that way, if you felt that way, why did you even offer updates? Like why did you even pretend to want to be part of this? And force us to a certain extent to like modify our schedules on your behalf if you never had any intention of being a part of this. Yeah, it's because because she like doesn't ever take responsibility or just like face things head on. No, she can't. Um, and then Candy also notes like you leave early every time, mm-hmm. and I think I'm sorry to break the fourth wall again, but like I think this is also a point of contention because you know they all make their salaries, they all make money from being on the show. Mm-hmm. And they're all, they're filming, you know, it's like kind of, I think sometimes they're doing kind of a long day of filming at events and stuff. And we only see like a little bit of it. It's a job. Yeah. As much as it's like also them hanging out. And I think all the housewives in the universe, like love to be on the show and always want to be there. But it's like when you see someone who's not putting in that work, just being like, I'll just have all my scenes be at home with my husband. That's probably really frustrating. Yeah. No, you're probably right. And I mean, 
I didn't know exactly how to feel about this situation during the interaction because Kim sort of responds with, well, I was there at one, like you were, you came two and a half hours late and there was no, I wasn't late because I'm like, of course you were late. You were definitely late. And so I'm like, so were, is it that she left early or that she could only be available or only made herself available for a very specific designated amount of time and you came later than she did right and she says that to both candy and i think she also says it to cynthia right where there were these like instances where yeah we could have hung out we could have had more time together but you were late and i had to go so yeah i left but i had been there since the time that we decided which is like she wasn't yeah so i says don't lie on me which i did not understand because i was like huh i thought kim was talking about like the ladies wanting her to go to anguilla and i was like what's that have to do with nini i was very confused by this it seems like she's saying don't it seems like don't lie to me really like i just don't want to hear you say a thing that's not true Mm, yeah but i feel like the phrase lying on me means that you're saying something you've you're saying that i've done something that i haven't done and the only possible reference was at nini's event right where kim showed up and she's like you were two and a half hours late or whatever she said she was late i was like is that what she was talking about unclear very unclear to me yeah so Kim storms out and says, all these bitches are crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, and again, like I was like, I think that the optics of it were hard for the me to optics reconcile. optics are bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, look, I think it's totally possible to be the only white woman in a group of black women and be mad at everybody or feel that you're put upon. But the way she talks to them and about them is so disrespectful and the fact that she call, feels comfortable calling them, like, all these bitches is just, like, ugh, it's icky. Right? And then it's, while all this is happening, you're also seeing, like, her ill-fitting wig and the fact that she's, like, <laughs> very pregnant, right? And they keep cutting to Cynthia, looking gorgeous as always. And I'm like, what is, okay, what what story producer are you trying to get me to feel from this entire circumstance like, who is this clown basically because she seemed like crazy like these are your friends and they're saying we want to spend time with you we are moving heaven and earth so that we can accommodate your schedule so that we can spend time with you you're refusing to even meet us halfway and then when we call you on it you storm off rip off your microphone Somehow, Croy is there. Okay, so she goes outside to the car, and Croy is sitting in the car. He drives her everywhere. And I'm like... Which is just like, wait, are you busy? You guys have a baby at home, and Kim can't, like, drive herself places? Croy is her chauffeur? Right? Like, I thought you were at, like, training camp or something like that. Like, are you still a professional football player? Like, what's happening with this this dynamic? Like, I'm very confused. Also, she clearly doesn't plan to be anywhere long if Corey's waiting in the car for her the whole time. Yeah. It's like, okay, it'll just be, like, 15 minutes. Don't worry. Exactly. Right? And so she waited for her moment to be like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to sit for this. I'm not going to listen to you all screaming at me. And then I bet, which 
I didn't actually see it in the episode, but I'm like knowing Kim, I'm sure she's like, I'm eight and a half months pregnant. Like I can't sit up here and do all this. Like this isn't good for the baby. She's not eight and a half months pregnant too. It's so annoying that she's, but like every single time she talks about how pregnant she is, it's more pregnant. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know if that's how pregnancy works, but I'm also, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe it feels like you're eating out. Like the, more, the angrier she gets, the more pregnant right? she becomes. Oh my gosh. Which listen, who among us hasn't like put a little bit of extra on something when they're mad. Right. Like yeah. I, I, I can, I, can I get that. I respect it to a certain extent, but yeah, she storms off and then it's sort of like a cut to black. Like we don't know what's going to happen next other than, more of Kim being angry. Yeah, scenes from next week. She's like pushing cameramen out of her face on the sidewalk, and Cora gets out of the car and starts yelling. At yeah. Him. So things will happen, right? And I'm guessing she won't be in Anguilla. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> that pirate ship has sailed. Pirate ship. <laughs> it's Anguilla. I bet there were pirates there. You're probably right. Okay. Do you feel like there was like? a racial microaggression in the way she's treating people or do you think she's just like a jerk and she treats everybody that way i honestly i have never perceived of kim as anybody other than she just like treats everybody sort of terribly like i think that she's just so in her own head and she feels that she is such a like gift you know that she doesn't ever consider anybody else's feelings but i i don't think that there is any i didn't get the sense that there's like a racialized element to anything that she says or does but i could also see how that could be perceived in another way yeah like the optic she creates really makes it seem that way yeah which i will say from as far as i can recall none of the other women have brought up race as it relates to them specifically in the things that kim says but they have raised concerns about how she treats her assistant who is also Mm. black and so i'm curious if there is maybe an aspect of like the power dynamic that is at best like questionable and like at worst like a little racist or something like that but I do get the sense that all of the women on Atlanta have always perceived of Kim as she is who she is and she treats her friends how she treats her friends like she's a shit friend not because she's white and we're black but because she's just a shit friend yeah yeah I mean I think that you're probably I feel like that's probably the right read Mm -hmm. I just feel like sometimes when I'm watching it I just I don't know to use like like these bitches it just was just like oh god it's like sometimes it hits that strikes that chord that's just like really uncomfortable yeah and it's it's I think it's so funny because I feel like I I think and in part like doing this recap has sort of like highlighted for me the amount of like leeway I give to Kim Zolciak and I think part of it is because she started on Atlanta and it was clear from like season one episode one that she was friends with Nini like they Mm. were friends yeah right and I'm like this isn't somebody who says oh I have a black friend this is somebody who lives in majority black city and probably interacts with mostly black people in terms of like professionals and all this other stuff and doesn't seem to have a care in the world about it and the fact that she's like different from everybody else and so I think because of the origins of how I met Kim I tend to give her a lot of grace even when she doesn't maybe deserve it but it's also like this level of not even grappling but sort of ignoring race to a certain extent is something that we don't see 
done well in any other franchise because it's either like colorism in Potomac or it's what I would perceive of as like sort of inst- like instituted, like we are going to introduce this element of race to this like white group oh, of friends yeah. in order and then discuss. And, and I'm like, that's not. They're all going to feel so offended and like, wait, are you saying I'm racist? That's a mean thing to say. Yeah. I, I, you know, you know, I, oh, I'm sounding like Dorit, but oh I, who I love, I actually do kind of love Dorit. Ha- did you see the race? I, mean, I she haven't had a, seen. She had a brutal app. I haven't seen any of the new season of uh, Beverly Hills, but I will say that this, oh, you, you know, you know that I am not. You know yeah, you that know I'm not. You know I'm such a good person right and I'm like you I think that part of what's so important about the conversations when they're done well is how important implicit bias is because it's not something that you are necessarily doing intentionally and I think that the framing of racism generally especially in the United States for centuries at this point has been this like over aggressive version of hatred towards the other but what happens is it's you know I I I don't I'm sure I didn't coin it but what I tend to think of it about or how I perceive of like microaggressions in particular is like tiny little pinpricks Mm -hmm. and so when it happens you feel it and it's a little uncomfortable and you're like oh my god most of the time you can just keep moving keep going But eventually you're pricked so many times that you react because it's like this shouldn't be a thing. Nobody else is being picked, like pricked by a pen. I I shouldn't have to be pricked by a pen. And so it's sort of like you want to have this sort of come to Jesus moment, but you don't get it. it. I haven't seen Bravo do anything that adequately, in my opinion, addresses like race that we know racism is exi- exists in a very nefarious form when we're talking about very rich people on yeah. TV. Like, stop trying to, like, sell us on something else. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, I turn on my TV and I can just see this, like, crazy white woman who <laughs> has a bunch of black friends and it's, like, fun-loving and that's fine, too, right? But Yeah, and I think, like, expectations have changed and, like, Kim's expectation of herself is just, like, well, I don't see color and so I'll never – and you could never say that I'm racist. But, yeah. like, I think now – in the past few years people are kind of learning it's like okay well you might still be participating in things that are racist even if you don't think you are and like you have to listen and when people call you out on things it's really important to listen and learn and it's just like some people have not gotten that memo and uh it's gonna be a process but it's kind of shocking I guess to look back at something from 10 years ago and be like okay yeah I mean I think you're completely right because it 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 didn't sit great then and it doesn't sit great now but I still feel like somewhat ironically it doesn't feel as cringe as the tryhards that we're getting in this like new era of like housewives grappling with things that they've never thought about I'm like yeah you're (laughs) in your 50s and you're like racism is still a thing I'm like I don't want to see that like I I honestly would rather we not talk (laughs) about it because that will upset me greatly shop (laughs) 
Like, and I can't believe that I've been blind. To- yeah, I'm shocked too. But guess what? Don't tell your black friend that. <laughs> Go talk to your other blonde haired white friends yeah. about how you all need to do better. And it's not the role of the person of color to like educate you on anything. Like I'm, it's so frustrating. Like, yeah. ah! so yeah, you're, I think you're right. And I, I think that there's also this like not great payoff because I know that Kim in 2024 is not any better than Kim in like 2012. There's no room for growth. Right. She's still like living her life and being like, absolutely. Please. I'm the least racist person you'll ever meet. Like, yeah. Oh God. Oh my gosh. Anyways. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, More shenanigans will ensue in in the next episode, but who would you say was your peach for the episode? I think I'm going to give it to Candy. Yeah? Because I like the Candy thought to ask the question, are you going on any trips with Croy? And that really blew up her spot. It's like, I love when Candy gets a little mad. She's so sharp when she does, and mm. I appreciate it. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I would actually give it to Cynthia this mm. season, or this, excuse me, this episode. And we know that I always give it to Pedro, but <laughs> I feel like in this episode in particular, Cynthia really shined. She was endearing and funny, but also like very like directed. She threw shade and she felt like a central figure of every single conversation that was happening this episode. And so I'm like, okay, Cynthia, very, very well done. This was yeah, definitely your episode. This was a great episode for her. Okay, who's your pit? Oh, man. <laughs> Gosh, who? No, it's obviously Kim. Like, she's terrible. Yeah, Kim was such a pit, she even outshone Kenya in this wild double date. Right? But, like, Kim, absolutely the worst. It was so bad. And I, I think what's most funny is that going into this episode I didn't realize that the Kenya flirtation episode was the same episode of like Kim storming out and I'm like oh my gosh yeah (laughs) like you're barely on the show and then this is what you do with it yes totally absolutely not yeah oh my gosh okay well I'm kind of interested to see what Croy is gonna be doing on the sidewalk in the next episode right I'm very fascinated by this dynamic of him being so busy that he can't go on trips but also not busy enough to sit in a car and wait for his wife to eat food with her friends yeah so i guess we'll find out what's going to happen next on next week's recap episode yeah thanks for joining us bye Double Vision is created by Jules and Keens. Starring Jules and Keens. Produced and edited by Juliana Tringali-Golden.